The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope, brought to you by Enzymedica with host Terry Aranga. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guests illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Aranga. Welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and this program, Autism One, A Conversation of Hope, for Tuesday, November 3rd. I'm Terry Arango with my guest, Beth Allison Maloney. Beth is an attorney in the state of Maine, the mother of three boys, and the author of Saving Sammy, Curing the Boy Who Caught OCD. Saving Sammy focuses on Beth's son, Sammy, then an adolescent who was previously excelling, but then descended into debilitating behaviors that affected his school, home, and personal life, health, and happiness. He was diagnosed with obsessive-compulsive disorder and Tourette syndrome, but Beth rejected any prognosis of lifelong mental illness and uncovered the cause. Pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric disorders associated with streptococcal infections. To our listeners, if you are interested in considering any of the medically related information in this interview or in changing any established regimen, please consult with your child's physician who provides regular medical oversight, lab tests, and monitoring. Beth, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you very much for having me. Beth, please tell us in very general terms about your family up until Sammy was 11. We had a terrific family life. Sammy, in particular, was just a happy-go-lucky kind of guy who would come home from school every day. We lived close to the water. He would wander down to the cove, pick up shells, poke around with crabs. Kids got up in the morning, headed off to school with smiles on their faces, and pretty much living a terrific dream life, to tell you the truth. And and you have two other boys, Josh and James? Yes, I do. Tell us about Sammy when he was one year old until he was 11 years old insofar as school was concerned. Well, Sammy, I guess he didn't start school until a little later. Sorry about that. Right. That's, he, he was developmentally on track. In fact, he was ahead of the curve in terms of mathematics. He really had a brilliant math mind that was recognized very early on. He did have a learning disability in reading which we were addressing through a special program at his grade school. And other than that, he won many academic awards and, in fact, finished fifth grade as a finalist in the civic oration contest. His reading and writing skills had come so far that he was able to excel in that area as well. So between birth and age 11, I had a quote-unquote, normal boy on my hands. But something changed. Did you, you had no indication it was coming. 
I had absolutely no indication it was coming. So what changed? Tell us about Sammy at 12 years old, breakfast, behavior, socially, sleeping, school. The first thing that happened is that he started walking everywhere with his eyes closed, holding his hands in front of himself as uh, as if he were blind, feeling himself his way from place to place. And I asked him what he was doing, and he told me he was memorizing. It made sense at the time because we were moving from one house to another, and I thought, well, children do things differently, and perhaps this is how he intends to remember. But very shortly, that became a minor behavior. He um, refused to get into his bed. We had to have all the lights on in our house 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We couldn't have any windows open. Initially, he would only sit at one seat at the table to eat. Then he would only eat if he was standing up and his eyes were closed. Then he would not eat at all. He started screaming at the squirrels to shut up. He wouldn't use the front door of the house. He pelted repairmen with acorns. He became angry, hostile, and eventually unable to leave my house entirely. You know, um, you're, you're mentioning things that, that sound like sensory things, and you're talking about walking around the house with his eyes closed and memorizing things. One thing that I was wondering when I read your book, um, that reminds me of you're talking about walking around with, with uh, his eyes closed, was the invisible walls, having to go yes. over invisible walls. I'm not sure if people really understand what compulsions look like so I was thinking well if he's he's seeing invisual uh, invisible walls this sounds sensory the invisible walls um, came later on because it, from reading the book you'll notice that everything is cumulative one day it would be one behavior the next day it was that plus another behavior eventually he thought there were invisible walls that sprouted out from light fixtures, uh, or rather electrical outlets, or the, the little red LED lights on televisions or VCR recorders, and he could sense them. So it, it's interesting that you're mentioning that, because it wasn't really that he would see these walls. He would tell me that he could sense that they were there, and he would have to step under them or and duck, step over them and duck under them and make sure that no part of his body ever touched one of these invisible walls, which meant that he repeatedly had to do this again and again and again because since the walls were invisible, he could never be 100% certain that he had not touched one of the walls, so therefore he had to do this endlessly. So is that kind of what like um, would end up looking like jerking motions or... That part wasn't necessarily jerking. There was a movie, and I can't remember the name of it, where Tom Cruise played a gem thief. And there were a series of beams that were protecting the gem. Mm-hmm. And he had, to, he had to weave his way in and out of those, gem, those beams in order to reach the gem. Mm-hmm. That's what it looked like. Oh, my. So how did this impact your family? Well, my oldest son was away at boarding school, so he was only home about once a month, 
and therefore, um, luckily, really was able to be insulated from quite a bit of it. My youngest son, who at the time had just turned eight, was home. It was devastating for him. He wasn't able to have any friends over. And any time there's someone in the home who's that ill, of course, the entire home revolves around that. So really every decision that was made really had to be made in terms of Sammy and what we could do to take care of his needs. So it was it was an extremely difficult time. I I really felt for you just just a description of what it took to get from a room to the to the door or the couch to the car or anything like that. And how was Sammy feeling? What was he thinking? He would tell you that he really wasn't thinking anything other than this was something that he had to do. And that was a very hard concept for me to to understand, that the compulsions dominate the person. Mm-hmm. There, is, there is not an aspect of, of choice to it. Mm-hmm. And... Until I lived this and saw it, I had no idea how disabling obsessive-compulsive disorder could be. Mm-hmm. I, in my mind, thought it, you had to maybe check the locks a few extra times. I didn't realize that you had to actually do so many compulsions that you could not even leave the house because you had to do so many things in order to leave the house mm-hmm. that you actually never got to the point of leaving. Right. Would would Sammy like in essence give up even the thought of leaving? No, he would the the few times that he would leave. I mean in the beginning he tried very hard to continue to go go to school. It would take him about 2 hours to get from the house out to the van and then we would it would probably take him another hour just to get out of the van he and when he did get out of the van at school he then rarely actually made it into the building because he would have had to do so many things to get from the van to the building he tried that for quite some time um but eventually it became so disabling that he did give up he just it, he couldn't even get started but the one thing that he always made it to were mass meets. There were about a half, four to six mass meets a year, and it was the one area where he could continue to feel successful. And he knew when a mass meet was coming, he saw the date on the calendar, okay, mass meet is next week, and he would know how many days it was until that meet, and he would spend that entire time really just psyching himself up for the fact that he was going to go to that mass meet he would spend the two and a half hours or whatever it took to get himself into the van, the additional time to get out of the van and into the hall where the mass competition was taking place. Do very well there because once he was in that room, he devoted his entire focus to whatever problems were in front of him. And then when I would finally get him home, he would just collapse for days because it took that much effort for him to control his behaviors mm-hmm. to the mm-hmm. point that he could do that. And, and I then understood when I had read about children with Tourette's who can control themselves at school and then come home and just have a storm of ticks 
I I totally understand that. Wow, that's that's some great insight. I bet that's going to help a lot of people to hear that. Beth, what was the defining moment for you as a mom that that caused you to seek medical attention? Well, there were two defining moments. The the first moment came early on when Sammy ran away. For Sammy to run away was so foreign from any kind of behavior that any of my children would ever exhibit that I knew this explanation could not be stress. And then I can tell you about the second point in time when we get back. All right. We'll be right back from the break with our guest, Beth Allison Maloney, about talking about saving Sammy. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Inside all of us lives a warrior. We win battles with our careers, our finances, our children, our pets. It's time that the warrior within wins the battles with our own being. Modern-day Renaissance man Ori Hoffmeckler dispels eating urban legends and fitness myths in Voice America Network's The Warrior Within, your guide to nutrition, energy, sex, and survival. Ori sets the record straight and will help you become leaner and healthier for a lifetime. The Warrior Within broadcasts live every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on The Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tune in for your guide to nutrition, energy, sex, and survival. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Beth Allison Maloney, author of Saving Sammy, Curing the Boy Who Caught OCD. And before the break, Beth, I asked you, what was the defining moment that caused you to seek medical attention for Sammy? You responded that he ran away. Would you like to continue? Yes, he ran away. We drove my oldest son up to boarding school, and Sammy ran away. And until that point in time, I had been taking him to a counselor, and the explanation was stress, that there were stressors, that my oldest was going away, that Sammy was going to middle school, that we had moved houses, 
and that these behaviors were a reaction to the stress. At the point in time that he ran away, I felt there had to be a medical, a physical medical component to this. I was no longer satisfied that stress was the explanation, so I called his pediatrician and said, I need to bring him in to see you, explained what was going on, and the pediatrician refused to see him. Hmm. Why ever? The, the pediatrician said that I should just take him immediately to the crisis unit at our local hospital, which I did not want to do. I'm familiar with crisis units as a result of a lot of the work that I do as a guardian ad litem for neglected and abused children, and I knew what the resources were that were available, and I did not feel that that was what we needed at that point in time. Oh, yikes. I wonder how many people take that bad advice. Well, good that you didn't. So Mm -hmm. we were going to talk about what – there was also another defining moment. Did it have anything to do with the first time you heard about a possible link between Tourette's or a link between OCD and strep? Yes. The second thing that happened happened about a year later. For a full year, we had seen a psychiatrist. He was medicated with Zoloft. He continued in his counseling sessions. He never improved. He got incredibly worse during that year. And finally, he had a crisis episode following a mass meet, and I realized that I was no longer going to be able to maintain him in my home, at least not alone. I wasn't helping him get any better. I felt that I was going to have to either hire a psychiatric nurse or find some sort of a placement for him because I was not helping him. And um, I called my mother sobbing to tell her this because I had tried everything I could to, to help him. And someone who worked with her called me back and said, have you had him tested for strep? And I said, he's never had strep. And she said, you don't know that unless you run a blood test. Okay, so at this point, let's move into the definition of PANDAS, Pediatric Autoimmune Neuropsychiatric Disorders Associated with Streptococcal Infection. What is it? Correct. What is it How and how common is it? Well, it's very common. It is not commonly diagnosed. Let me begin by saying there are as many children in this country with obsessive-compulsive disorder as there are children with diabetes. That is a statistic that is not well known. Probably there's some sort of stigma associated with talking about a mental illness as opposed to a physical illness. And the top researchers in the country believe that up to half of the children with obsessive compulsive disorder could in fact have a strep infection in the mix that has not been identified. Um, I don't know if you would like me to explain simply how that disorder works. Well, I I would. Um, first, I wanted to share something that I read on the um National Institute of uh, Medicine or National Institute of Mental Health uh, website, if if that's okay. Sure. It's it's the diagnostic criteria for pandas. 
Correct. Uh, they list presence of obsessive-compulsive disorder and or a tick disorder, pediatric onset of symptoms age three years to puberty, episodic course of symptom severity, association with group A beta-hemolytic streptococcal infection, a positive throat culture for strep or history of scarlet fever, and association with neurological abnormalities, um, maturic hyperactivity, adventitious movements, um, such as choreiform movements. So that is um, from that website. And now why don't you share with us uh, what is in, involved, such as uh, I know you mentioned the basal ganglia in your book and such. Mm-hmm. The principle of PANDAS is very similar to the principle of rheumatic fever. In rheumatic fever, strep antibodies attack a healthy organ, the heart. We have a bacteria in our body, and the body produces antibodies to fight it, in this case strep, and often our bodies are not strong enough to fight the infection, and they have to be helped with antibiotics. In some people, not everyone, they um, will end up with rheumatic fever if, in fact, the strep is not properly treated. That is antibodies attacking the heart. In pandas, strep antibodies attack the brain. They attack the basal ganglia, which is the area of the brain that controls behaviors. And the behaviors that the children exhibit are actually a symptom of the fact that they have strep in their system that is not being properly treated. Now, you mentioned um, some blood testing, and um, I assume you're, uh, you're talking about the ASO test, anti-streptolysin O, and the anti-DNA B titers, anti-deoxyribonuclease B, um, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, I, that's, and that's a, a worthwhile test, um, and, and definitely could help in moving practitioners forward, uh, in considering pandas and treatment for pandas. Do all, however, I've, I've heard that not all children, um, who've had a strep positive throat culture will have a rise in, in those titers, in, in ASO or the titers. I am hearing that from a number of parents. Um, I, of course, can only speak to my own child's experience, Mm -hmm. and he had a very severe case that had gone on for a long time. Mm -hmm. He had those elevated titers. And the other important thing about the blood test is that the result was positive Mm -hmm. as opposed to a throat culture, which can sometimes give you a false negative. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, and and you know what's hopeful too about your son's case, Beth, um, is that while people were telling you uh, we usually, you know, catch this or treat this earlier, you were able to significantly improve Sammy. Although it it took a while and it was a very uh, traumatic experience for both of you, you were able to significantly improve him after him having had it for so long. Yes, he he. Sammy is 100% recovered. He has absolutely no symptoms of obsessive-compulsive disorder or Tourette's whatsoever. And, in fact, he's going to college. He's at Carnegie Mellon. He's in the School of Computer Science. Very, very hopeful. 
what studies have found uh, have been have been looking at the relationship between titers and pandas or Tourette? Well, interestingly enough, there is a study just out from Columbia University, and that actually replicated um, pandas in mice. And I'm not a doctor, so I don't understand the intricacies of the study. However, um, based on as much as I understand from reading it, first a strep was created within a group of mice. Those mice then produced antibodies. The mice began doing um, repetitive behaviors and were not as capable of performing certain tasks as they had been. And then antibodies were extracted from those mice and introduced into a second set of mice who did not even receive the bacteria. All they received were the antibodies, and those mice had the same behaviors as the first group. Mm-hmm. So that would uh, that would point to the culpability of the antibodies? Yes. Is that what you're saying? Okay. Yes. That's so, the way I understood it. Now, you were talking about... Um, Sammy having been given Zoloft, and it sounds as if the Zoloft made Sammy worse. So what was the? What else did you try? What started him on a more positive uh, direction? Antibiotics, Augmentin. We tried first with, and, and let me just back up to say that the Zoloft actually increased his behaviors. So we were really taking the wrong path there because the dosage was being um, was being inevitably increased because the thinking was that he wasn't responding to it. So then we were giving him more, and that was in fact making him worse. When we realized that he had the infection, first he was given penicillin, which he responded to very quickly within a matter of days. But the effectiveness wore off within a couple of weeks. He really regressed. We then tried several other antibiotics, and it wasn't until I took him to a, I found a developmental pediatrician in New Jersey who was familiar with the disorder, and she knew from having treated other children that the best response that she had received was in using Augmentin. Okay. So what did you say? Uh, I would say that his improvement with the Augmentin was slow but steady. So that, for example, he would um, maybe play a board game with his brothers one day. I will tell you that within six weeks of starting the Augmentin, he actually was able to sit down at the table and have pancakes with us. Mm. Eventually, he was able to shower. He wasn't, he was not able to shower for months at a time. He would maybe change his clothes every couple of weeks. Then, after a period of time on the Augmentin, he was able to take a shower. He was able to change his clothes every few days. I was able to cut his hair. He was able to participate in everyday conversations. He, after about roughly four to six months on the Augmentin, he was able to work with a tutor. 
and um, in fact improved to the point that he was able to have his bar mitzvah and give a really remarkable speech where he explained what he had been going through over the past year and a half and what his hopes were for the future and how confident he was that he was going to be well. Oh, excellent. And we'll pick up with talking about antibiotics and treatment when we come back from break. We'll be right back with Beth Allison Maloney and Saving Sammy at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Tune in on Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for Healing the Grieving Heart, the program that takes you on a journey through grief after the death of a child. Join Dr. Gloria Horsley, marriage and family therapist and bereaved parent, while she interviews and discusses with other bereaved parents and siblings how they have coped with the death of a child and gone on to create and realize new dreams. So tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for Healing the Grieving Heart with Dr. Gloria Horsley, right here on Voice America Health and Wellness. Holistic living is nutrition for not just your body, but your mind and your soul. Holistic nutrition goes far beyond the foods that we eat or the supplements that we take. Discover natural means to heal your body and regain your innate healing powers. That's Holistic Living with Tina Marie Jones on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Tune in for your weekly dose of good holistic living. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Beth Allison Maloney, author of Saving Sammy. And before the break, we were talking about the fact that Augmentin had helped her son, Sammy. Uh, Beth, I've heard that uh, other antibiotics have helped other children, uh, such as Ceftra or Zithromax. I know there's been some uh, investigation, some research into minocycline. Um, of course, I've you know heard about some possible risks to minocycline or you know any antibiotics for that matter. But is it is it a pretty child specific, bug specific kind of treatment insofar as which antibiotics are used? Well, 
I have to rely on the doctors who I've worked with, and they find this, that the success comes with Augmentin or in the case of children who are allergic to penicillin, with um, that, that their preference would be OmniCef. So I don't know that I'm really the best person to comment about the use of different kinds of antibiotics because I'm, I'm just frankly not that familiar with it. Mm. Uh, so I guess I guess the take-home message here would be for parents to, you know, do the research and uh, check with experienced uh, practitioners who who do believe that antibiotics can be an intervention for pandas, um, you know, and who keep up to date uh, on the literature, et cetera. Yes, and then and then um, track whether or not your child is responding. Mm-hmm. If it, if if it doctor feels that Zithromax is appropriate for your child and your child is responding to the Zithromax and maintaining, that's really the issue. Right. And and another take-home message, message would be that the things that are going on in other, you know, parts or systems of the body can affect the brain. And Correct. can affect cognition and can affect behavior. Correct. So did we did we talk about how how exactly does this this strep, this bug, um, attack the basal ganglia and cause these differences in behavior and seeing the invisible walls and things like that? Well, the antibodies have the ability in some children to cross the blood-brain barrier and enter the brain. That's the way that I understand it. Sometimes we... um, want that to happen for certain treatments so the brain when the brain is inflamed um, it's more likely I'm, I'm trying to recall what a doctor had actually written me about this that there were some medications that were given so specifically so that that blood brain barrier was more permeable I don't know whether there are certain children who just it's a function of who they are and therefore it is more permeable or it's a function of the antibodies, those are questions that are beyond me. I just know that for my son, that is clearly what was going on with him. And until we addressed the underlying infection, um, we weren't going to get anywhere in terms of any kind of psychiatric medication treatment or behavior modification programs. He was just too sick. He had a systemic infection. Right. What else did you try in the way of, um, I mean, what else was recommended to you? So there may be other parents out there who are using similar things. Of course, again, they need to treat, uh, speak with their child's medical team. But what else did you use that wasn't particularly successful in the way of, um, of psychoactive medication? Well, really, he was on, he was on the Zipraxa for a full, uh, excuse me, the, um, the Zolaw for a full year. It did not made, did not make any improvements at all, and then we weaned him from that very quickly, or as quickly as was safe, because the developmental pediatrician, Dr. Nicolaitis, was very concerned about serotonin syndrome. Mm-hmm. She then um, had him on a combination of Gabatril to stabilize his mood swings and Zeprexa for the Gabatril he was on for, I'm thinking, a couple of months. It's it's all covered in the book, so I don't have that necessarily at my fingertips, but you could certainly find it by reading the book. And the Zeprexa, he was on for basically uh, a full year. And then um, 
about six months into his treatment, by the time he was off the gabatril, we added in Stratera. Stratera was amazing because that allowed him to really break down the the barriers that had held him back from changing his behaviors. And these these behaviors had become ingrained habits so that every single time he saw an electrical outlet, he had to swing his leg over it. He had to undo 18 months of that kind of behavior, and that took hard work on his part, just, just as if you were a nail biter and you had to stop. You, you can do it, but you have to work at it. Well, and he worked at it, and that's Stratera, in my opinion, is what enabled him to do that. Now, is this after the antibiotics were already in place? Yes. Okay, so... Because what I hear from being in the autism uh, community is that if, you know, if a child um, is doing fecal smearing because they have gastrointestinal pathology and they have, say, you know, stool, they're constipated and the stool is stuck and they they dig in to get it out, that uh-huh. even after you address the underlying physiological conditions that caused the stool to be stuck in the first place, then they still may have some of the habits that were, behaviors that were associated with it afterwards. That's kind of what you're saying reminds me of. Makes sense to me. Sounds like the same thing. How is how is Sammy's um, gastrointestinal situation, his bowel situation from using the antibiotics? Did he need to t- end up taking probiotics? We gave him probiotics every day. We um, gave it to him in the middle of the day. We gave him something called Culturel, which is a capsule form, and he had antibiotics in the morning and antibiotics at night, so we gave him the probiotic in the middle of the day. And um, we were giving him blood tests, and one of the tests that we ran was a CBC differential, and that allowed us to monitor uh, how his bowels were doing. And luckily for us, there were no bowel problems. And um, I know someone expressed concern about that at some point in connection with the use of the antibiotics and my response was that is a risk I will take because without the antibiotics I know what I have on my hands which is a completely dysfunctional child Mm -hmm. so I'll take that risk and I've heard about some other treatments that have been been used too and and all the different treatments that we've been talking about can have risks associated with them Um, one thing I've heard about as used for this uh, has been intravenous immunoglobulin, IVIG, which is a blood product administered uh, via IV, and then plasmapheresis, and um, in that, um, that's the removal, treatment, and return of components of blood plasma from blood circulation. Um, I've, even, I've even been told that uh, Georgetown University uh, regularly performs plasmapheresis on several pandas children each week. I, I heard that. I haven't verified it, but mm-hmm. this certainly um, gives parents some uh, springboards from which to uh, research, look up, and ask their doctors about further information. What, what do you think about all of this? Well, they're two diff- they, as you say, there are two different things. The, the IVIG introduces a pool blood product into the system, and the theory there is that the number of antibodies are diluted. The plasma exchange is cleansing the child's own blood. So those are certainly options that we had um, considered looking into. 
I was very hesitant to uh, approach either of those with respect to the IVIG. I I had a friend I mentioned in the book who actually eventually died from AIDS because she um, contracted the virus through a blood transfusion. And my concern is what might be in that pool of blood product that we don't know yet. I'm sure it doesn't have the HIV virus because we know to screen for that. But what else might be in there So uh, that we don't even know exists? So I think that before taking that kind of a step, for me, as a parent, I had to be absolutely certain that um, that the antibiotic route was not going to work before I would do that. At the point in time that um, this happened with Sammy, plasma exchange was not available. And again, it would have been something that uh, I would have considered except for the fact that he had the, the response. Um, my concern is that in terms of treating the children with antibiotics, Sammy initially, Sammy was on antibiotics for four years. When I say he was on antibiotics for four years, he was not on and off antibiotics for four years. He was on antibiotics every single day for four years. So if, in fact, what's happening is children are going on antibiotics for 30 days to come off the antibiotics, the symptoms uh, resume, then the children go back on the antibiotics and come off, and then the decision is, well, it's not working, so we need to look into something like a blood procedure, I would first be saying, well, what if we left the children on antibiotics for a much longer, consistent period of time and see what kind of a response we might get? Because we have to remember that rheumatic fever was routinely treated with antibiotics year after year after year. People were on penicillin for 20 years sometimes with rheumatic fever. This is not a you know, a theory that is um, so... New? New, right. In in Lyme disease, too, I know that, you know, different physicians have different perspectives, but that, um, you know, I've done interviews and um, and I've interviewed, I think it was a Dr. Jones who felt, you know, you have to be on the antibiotics for a sufficient amount of time with the Lyme disease. Um, You know, even with, with therapeutic diet, you know, you don't just... You necessarily, you, don't, you can't use a shotgun approach with that. So again, these are really serious matters, mm-hmm. um, and I uh, strongly urge listeners to consult with uh, experienced uh, doctors for, uh, who regularly monitor their children's overall health. And we'll be right back from break. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzo Medical. We'll be right back. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health and Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on 
the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten, and Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh, uh, uh, there you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt U.S. Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Beth Maloney, author of Saving Sammy. And um, I just wanted to follow up on a, a couple of your, your comments, Beth. Um, well, one of mine, one of yours. About the antibiotics, I know that uh, minocycline has been investigated, but I have heard that that um, may also be implicated in some autoimmune, uh, further autoimmune problems. Um, there's uh, There might still be investigation going on in that. Um, various antibiotics, you know, people have had some, some gut issues with. With the IVAG, I know that you mentioned about um, an individual who perished, but there have been children who've used it, you know, who haven't. So, again, just really... Sorry, let me just interrupt. I don't know anybody who's perished. Oh, that that was through a blood transfusion. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay, sorry about that. That's so, okay. just again, urging parents to really sit down with their child's doctor um, and someone who's experienced in the areas we're talking about, and and you know, do a risk benefit analysis. Um, you used antibiotics, and if you hadn't, your son would just be. Just let's just say that your son's doing immensely better now. He's recovered, and you did a wonderful thing for him. But as always, sit down with your child's doctor and weigh the the benefits and risks of any treatment, any significant treatment. So, Beth, can you tell us about Dr. Geller from Harvard Mass General? He's just a just a fabulous psychiatrist. He co or founded the um, pediatric obsessive compulsive disorder clinic at Massachusetts General, and he's an associate professor of psychiatry at Harvard. He is, in conjunction with Tanya Murphy at um, University of Southern Florida, running some studies at this point in time um, involving children and antibiotics, and um, 
I'll be excited to hear those results. I know that they're testing, they're using several different antibiotics. One of them is Augmentin, but, and I'm not familiar with all the different ones that they're using, but they are, they're, they are trying some different ones there. What did he do differently as opposed to the other people you had been going to? He understood my son's heart. He seemed to understand how Sammy felt and shared right up front with Sammy that there were many other children like him. He gave him such a sense of acceptance and uh, shared with him a list of all, of behaviors. He said, now many children do these kinds of things. I wonder if you do any of them. And it was really the first time that Sammy heard that he wasn't alone. Very similar, I think, to what's happening with parents who read my book and realize they're not the only ones. They're not out there alone. There are other parents going through this. And that's what he did. That's what he did for Sammy. In one conversation, Sammy's disposition just changed. Maybe maybe he became more accepting of himself. I don't think that uh, parents can who haven't gone through this um, can necessarily understand what small accomplishments are like. It's you know, when a child mm-hmm. with autism comes in for the first time and says mama or when your son after a long stretch of time was able to close a car door or able mm-hmm. to go out the front door. Mm-hmm. I remember when he was recovered and back in eighth grade and he had to do a library project. And I pulled up to the library and I said, okay, let's go in. And he said, oh, I can, I can do it, Mom. And I said, you, you can go, go in yourself? Yes. And he said, okay. So he, and he got out of the van and I watched him walk up the steps and in through the library door. And I sat in there and I watched him and I thought, I wonder how many parents realize what a miracle it is that their child can just get out of the car and go to the library. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. How are his brothers feeling about what's going on now? Um, well, in terms of the book being out or? In terms of his progress, in terms of family life. Oh, well, they're all, my oldest is graduating from college in December. They're actually, he and Sammy are both at Carnegie Mellon, so that's nice because they get to see each other quite frequently. And my youngest is up at, at, um, boarding high school at the main school of science and math where both his brothers graduated from. And he has not a lot of recollection about what we went through. So um, I think everybody's just happy to be whole. Did you ever find out what, what, uh, where he caught this? You say he caught OCD. Did you ever find out where he caught the stress? I have no idea. I assume he picked it up in grade school somewhere. And, you know, we all have uh, viruses and bacteria in our bodies that we manage and um, it could be that he actually had had sort of a low-grade infection for quite some time, and and it was it was triggered in the same way that diabetes could be triggered, or you know other diseases can actually be triggered. And it could be that he was managing things, and then it was triggered. I I don't know. I'll never know really. Well, where can listeners look for more information? Well, we have, of course, there's the book. I have a website, savingsammy.net, and two weeks ago I established the Pandas Foundation. 
I co-established it, and I signed on as the national spokesperson for that. And the pandasfoundation.org network uh, is going to be up tomorrow is our goal. Um, our first initiative is going to be to launch a major national campaign called Gut Strep and make sure that parents, pediatricians, nurses, teachers are all familiar with how strep can sometimes present itself, not just in terms of obsessive-compulsive disorder, but hair pulling and um, separation anxiety, frequent urination. There are various symptoms other than a typical sore throat. So that's another, going to be another resource, pandasfoundation.org. And I have Facebook fan pages under my name, Beth Allison Maloney, and also the name of the book. They're full of information, lots of links to helpful uh, articles and presentations by doctors. So okay. hopefully that will give everyone a good start. If you if you think Sammy had any take-home message for our listeners, what would it be? That children who have this are doing the best they can do. It's not a discipline issue that parents are dealing with. They're, these children are actually incapable. They are being dictated to by this set of rules to dominate their life, and it's not a matter of them not wanting to do what we'd like them to do. They simply can't do it. Yeah, that's a, a really good message. Um, and that uh, it's just really humane to, to look at what the underlying physiological conditions are and to treat those, not yes. just uh, behavior, you know, speaks what the body is feeling. Uh, behavior is a form of communication of what's going on in the body. That's a very good point. It's a great way to say it. Well, Beth, I want to thank you for sharing this often overlooked yet vital information with our listeners. To our listeners, Beth will be speaking at the Autism One 2010 conference in Chicago, which will be held May 24th to 30th, 2010. Please look for more information on the Autism One website beginning soon, later this month, at www.autismone.org. There's lots of great information at the Autism One website uh, in the meantime until the information about the conference is up. We have an article about uh, uh, what uh, can be taken more safely for cold and flu symptoms for those who have ADD, ADHD, and uh, autism up at the website, www.autismone.org. And don't forget the National Autism Association Conference next week in Florida, November 12th through 15th. Please visit www.nationalautismconference.org. For questions about this program, please email me at taranga at autismone.org. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica, and to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you, Terry. Thank you, Beth. Medica would like to thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit AutismOne.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Oranga.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.